Good to say? Uh, really, really good to be with you here this morning. My name is Paul, if we haven't met, and I'm one of the pastors of Soul Church, which, if you're fairly new to Cornerstone and these uh, the church circles, uh, Soul Church was a church plan of Cornerstone some years ago. Um, and you guys have just invested so much into Soul Church over the years. And uh, just want to let you know uh, that we're going well by God's grace. And we want to thank you so much for the investment that you've made uh, in our church. And, and we hope that in the years to come, we can be a blessing to you. Uh, please, please join me in prayer as we, uh, before we look at this passage this morning. Our Lord God, we come before you this morning in humility because we know we're weak. Lord, your word is good, your word is perfect, your word is powerful, but yet we're slow to hear and to heed your word. And we know that without the power of your Holy Spirit, our Lord, your word will have little effect on us, not because it lacks power, but because of our weakness. And so we pray this morning that you would help us, help me to be faithful to your text, and to present it clearly, help all of us, including myself, to hear your word and through it to the glory of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And I pray this in his name. Amen. Some time ago, there was a funeral in a church in Singapore. Now, I don't know the church, I don't know the denomination, but I do know the story because I know somebody who attended this funeral. It was a large funeral because the lady who had passed away was only a young lady. Uh, she was suffering from an illness. I think it was cancer. And a lot of people who were there were quite upset because there was an expectation in this church that God was going to heal her from this cancer. And particularly... Uh, her husband and her son was upset. And they were in the funeral and sitting at the front row. But despite them being there and despite everybody being upset, the pastor had the audacity to say this. He said the reason the lady had not been healed and was in that coffin was because her husband did not have enough faith. He said in front of everybody that if the husband had had more faith, then she would still be with us today. Now it makes you cringe, doesn't it? You know, what a terrible thing to say. What a terrible thing to lay the blame of this woman's death upon her husband. But friends, let's not throw the baby out of the bathroom. The reason it was wrong, I think terribly wrong, to say this was because in nowhere in Scripture does it make the promise that God will heal us of every disease. And nowhere in Scripture does it promise that God will save us from an early death. He does heal, he does save, but he doesn't promise it. And so we cannot blame the husband. But let's not go to the other extreme, as I think we often do, and say that a particular outcome 
has nothing to do with faith. When it comes to faith, there is a golden rule of thumb, and it's this. Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith, let it be done to you. They are Jesus' words. But he speaks in the Gospels, and he speaks words similar to this many times. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Now, you cannot control God with faith. You cannot make God do whatever you want simply because you believe. However, Jesus clearly teaches in the Scriptures that faith is the channel through which we receive the blessings of God's promises. And faith is the channel through which we experience the power of God in our life, in the church, and in the world. If we have faith, I believe Jesus clearly teaches us that we will have power. However, if we do not have faith, we should expect no power. No faith, no power. And I believe that's what this story in front of us teaches us so clearly tonight, uh, this morning. I think if I had to sum it up in just a few words, it would be in this way. No faith, no power. I want to show you this morning two things. Firstly, I want to show you that this is in fact true. That there is a connection between faith and power. And where we have no faith, we should expect no power. And secondly, by way of application, I want to show you how you can come to have greater faith in the Lord and therefore experience more of his power. But first, let me show you the connection between faith and power. It all starts with an argument, doesn't it? Peter, James and John had just gone up the mountain with Jesus and for a brief time, Jesus, he took off his mask of humanity and showed his divine glory to the three, Peter, James, and John. It was an amazing sight, a sight that nobody else has ever seen uh, in this world as of yet. But there were only three disciples there with Jesus. The other nine were down the mountain. And they were busy. They were busy working, busy healing the sick, busy casting out demons. But when Jesus returns, there's a big commotion from verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. And the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. A few chapters earlier in Mark 6, Jesus had given his disciples authority 
to drive out demons. And they did. They left two by two. They went into the villages, just casting out demons, one after the other. In Mark 6, it says they cast out many demons. I suspect they drove out so many demons that driving out demons was just an ordinary day at the office. But then comes his father with his son who is possessed by an evil spirit. And the story just makes your heart sink. The boy is the man's only son, we're told in Luke. And he has been possessed by an evil spirit uh, from a very young age. Years he has been possessed by an evil spirit. And this evil spirit has caused him to lose hearing and speech. This evil spirit has often thrown the boy down on the ground. The boy would foam at the mouth, gnash his teeth, and become rigid. Later on in this story, we're even told that the, the, the demon would even take the boy and throw him into the fire to kill him, or throw him into the river or the pool so that he would drown. You know, as parents, we don't like our kids catching cold. Imagine, imagine the grief and anxiety and desperation his father would have felt. And by the way, it was an evil spirit. I guess some read cases like this and think it's an undiagnosed mental illness, such as schizophrenia or uh, epilepsy. But even in the story, it says the spirit saw Jesus later on. And when the spirit saw Jesus, he threw the boy into a convulsion. This is no mental illness. And as you can understand, the father is desperate to fix this. And so as soon as he sees or hears about Jesus' disciples, the father drops everything. Whatever he had planned for that day, he's put it aside, he's grabbed his boy, and he's gone to the disciples. Because they've been healing other people, they've been casting out other demons. There's every chance that they could heal his son. And no doubt the disciples thought they could. I imagine that the disciples saw the father and his boy coming a long way off and thought to themselves, you go. No, 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 no. Only last time. It's your turn. You go. No, I did two in a row. It's your turn. All right. My turn. I'll be back in a minute. I imagine the disciples thought that this was no good deal. But to their surprise, the demon didn't go. One disciple had a go. Another disciple had a go. And then another. And then until all nine of them had a go, that this demon would not budge. The boy just continued to foam at the mouth, gnash his teeth and roll about on the ground. And it seems this word just spread very quickly. Did you hear that Jesus' disciples could not five out a demon? A crowd gathered, more gathered. Perhaps now even the scribes have gathered to see this sight. And I imagine the scribes made the most of this situation. Perhaps they said, the messenger is as the man himself. If Jesus' disciples can't drive them out by his authority, then Jesus must not have authority. They're con artists. And the whole argument erupted. The disciples arguing with the scribes, the scribes arguing with the disciples, 
the crowd murmuring, and all along there's a boy on the ground just foaming at his mouth and gnashing his teeth. But here Jesus comes on the scene and says, what are you arguing about? The disciples don't say anything, they're too embarrassed. The scribes don't say anything, perhaps they're too cowardly. But the boy's father speaks up and he tells Jesus what's happening, or rather what's not happening. And it's amazing, isn't it, that Jesus knows immediately what the issue is. They say the disciples could not drive out the demon and Jesus straight away knows what the problem is. Faith. It's faith. Could it only be the only problem, the only issue? He says in verse 19, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? And who is Jesus talking to here? He's, he's talking to the scribes. They're the unbelieving ones. They don't believe Christ. But he's also talking to the disciples, isn't he? The demon was a very stubborn demon, perhaps more stubborn than any other demons. But that's not why they couldn't drive it out. The reason the disciples could not drive out the demon was because they had little faith. We know this because at the end of the story, they, they pulled Jesus aside in private. And notice, not in public, they don't want anybody else to know what the problem was, but they pull him aside and they say, why couldn't we drive him out? And Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer. He could have said, this kind can only come out by prayerful dependence upon me. He could have said, this kind can only come out by faith. Prayer and faith are the two sides of the one coin. Where there is no prayer, there is no faith. The disciples did not pray because they had little faith. And here's what I think happened. I think the disciples got so used to driving our demons, they forgot where the power came from. After every demon they drove out, their self-confidence grew and their Christ-confidence shrunk. And over time, they went out there in their own strength. When Jesus gives us the power to do something, that power is never at our disposal. We can use whenever, wherever we want, independent of him. It is his power. And as soon as we stop trusting in him, we should not expect to see it anymore. But third, Jesus was speaking to the Father as well, wasn't he? When he said, you unbelieving generation, he was also talking to the, the boy's father. Look with me from verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, uh, sorry, verse 20. So they brought him, the boy. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he asked, answered. It has often thrown into fire or water to kill him. 
But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. In Mark 2, the leper said to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. But here the father says, not if you're willing, but if you can. The leper put an if upon Jesus' willingness, but here the father puts an if upon Jesus' power. And notice he says, if you can do anything, if you can do anything at all, help us. We see a lot of doubt in this man's heart over here. But we sympathise with him, don't we? It is a stubborn spirit. The disciples could not drive him out. No doubt the father had prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing had happened. We are sympathetic towards him because we often find ourselves in the same situation. We often ask ourselves, don't we, this very question, if you can, Jesus, when he doesn't answer prayer, when we go to the specialists and they don't give us any good results, if you can, Jesus. But look at Jesus' response with you. Verse 23, and this is the most important verse in this passage. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, no, 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 no. The issue is not with me. The issue is with you. The question is not whether I have the power. The question is whether you have the faith. You see? The father thought his boy was unhealed because there was a lack of power. But Jesus says, no, there's no lack of power. There's only a lack of faith. That's what Jesus is saying here. And friends, though we often make the same mistake, we think there is little happening in the church, we think there's little happening in our life, we think there's little happening in this world because there is a lack of power. But friends, there's no lack of power. There's only a lack of faith. We do not see more of Christ's power, not because he lacks the power, but if anything, because we lack the faith. Jesus says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. We fail to understand this. And so we try and come up with more power. We think of new strategies. We come up with new evangelistic methods. We come up with clever marketing. We try and improve the eloquence of our, our teaching. We, we try and perhaps live more godly lives, which is all useless unless we combine these things with faith. Faith is the key. Where there is no faith, there is no power. And the disciples, the disciples and the boy's father had to learn this the hard way. 
Maybe today you are questioning Christ's power. You see very little of his power, and you're starting to ask questions. Maybe you're asking that same question. Jesus, if you can. But friends, is the real issue if you lack faith? Perhaps it's not that Christ lacks the power, and I can tell you confidently, he doesn't. Perhaps it's because you lack the faith. What is faith? Let me just quickly clarify that so we're not misunderstanding each other. Faith is the absolute certainty that Christ can do all things. It is the absolute certainty that Christ will do all things that he has promised. And it is a relying upon him to do exactly that, to keep his promises. Faith is an absolute certainty that Christ can do all things, that Christ will do all things that he has promised, and is a relying upon him to keep them. Christ can, Christ will, and I rely upon him to do it. How is your faith? Do you have a certainty that Christ can do all things? That with God all things are possible? Do you have a certainty that he will do everything that he has promised? When Christ says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, do you believe it? When Christ says, my grace is sufficient for you, do you believe it? When Christ says, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, do you believe it? When Christ says, I will cause all things together to work for your good. You believe him? When Christ says, I will not withhold anything good from you. You believe him? When Christ says, I will carry on the work that I began in you and one day it will be complete and you will be like me. You believe him? When Christ says, I will love you to the very end. And nothing can separate you from my love. Do you believe him? Are you certain that Christ will keep his promises? And are you relying upon him and him alone to be true to his promises? That is faith. And friends, it is that faith which is the channel through which God's power flows. Without faith, there is no power. I think that's the clear message of this passage. The second thing I want to show you this morning, and this will be much, much shorter, and this is really by way of application, is how you can have this faith, if you don't already have it, and how you can grow in this faith. How you can have this faith and how you can grow in faith. And I have two points to share with you, and I think they're straight from the passage. The first way in which we get this faith and in which we grow in this faith is by going to Jesus. If you want faith in Christ this morning, if you want this kind of faith, this absolute certainty that He will, can do all things, will do all things, and this dependence upon him, 
And if you want to grow in this faith this morning, go to Jesus. Don't go to your pastor. Don't go to your parents. Don't go to dead men in books. Go to Jesus. Faith is a gift. It is not something we create. It is not something that we catch from other people. It's not something that we muster up. It is a gift. And Jesus alone is the giver of this gift. Remember what it says in Hebrews 12? Jesus is what? Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the author. He's the one who who creates faith and gives faith. And he is the perfecter of our faith. So friends, go to Jesus. And the Father is the great example of this, isn't he? We can't commend him for what he said earlier. He, He failed that one. But we can commend him for what he says now. After Jesus said everything is possible for the one who believes, it says immediately, without a second thought. He didn't go to his theological books to find the answer. He knew. He said immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me, Jesus. Help me. I have faith, but my faith is small and it is infected with doubts. Help me overcome my unbelief. One of the greatest mistakes you can make in your Christian life is to try and solve your spiritual problems on your own. Do you lack faith? Do you lack love? Do you lack conviction? Do you lack the fear of the Lord? Go to Jesus and ask him to help you with these things. Do not try and fix these spiritual problems on your own because I guarantee you it will lead to two things. It will lead to exhaustion and it will lead to failure because we don't have the power. We don't have the power to live the Christian life. We don't have the power to believe. We don't have the power to love. We don't have the power to fear God. But Christ has the power. So if we want more love, we go to him. If we want more conviction, we go to him. If we want more awe, we go to him. And if we want more faith, we go to him. That's exactly what this father does. He cries out to Jesus, help me. And friends, if you're here this morning and you have no faith at all, go to him at once. Go to him and say, Jesus, I do not believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I too guarantee you that he will answer your prayer. If you come to him and sincerely and humbly cry out to Jesus, And say, Jesus, I do not believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I am sure he will be pleased to give it to you at the right time. And you will be saved from your sins and you will have eternal life with him. Faith is a gift 
Jesus is the author and perfecter of faith. Ask him. But having said that, there is still a part for us to play, isn't it? Isn't there? And isn't and it's the most important thing we can do. And that is to pray. Faith is like a muscle that needs to be exercised or it just turns to mush. And we exercise our faith not by crossing the seas and going to unreached people groups or putting ourselves into difficult situations. We exercise our faith by praying, by relying upon God, by being dependent upon Him in prayer. Faith fosters prayer, but prayer fosters faith. As we come to God and depend upon Him, we exercise our faith, and by God's grace and through His power, our faith grows. And I believe the disciples learned this lesson. We don't know what happened after this, but I, I hope that the disciples changed the way they did this. I hope the next time they went out to cast out demons, I hope, and I am sure this is the case, they would have prayed. I'm sure they would have begun by praying. I'm sure that as they went about their ministry, they would have done it in the spirit of prayer. Friends, are you praying? Are you exercising your faith by coming to God at the start of the day and during the day and at the end of the day and by holding to his promises and by asking him to work, are you relying upon him? This is how our faith in him is exercised and grows. Prayer and faith go together. Jesus says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Go to Jesus, ask him for faith, and foster a spirit of prayer. And I am convinced that as your faith in Christ grows, you will see more and more of his power in your life, in the church, and in the world. Don't make a mistake that faith controls God and can make God do whatever he wants. No, faith simply grabs hold of God's promises. And when we have faith, God can't but help keep his promises. And again, if you're here this morning and you do not yet have faith, I urge you to make this a matter of first importance. Get faith. Before you leave today, get faith. God is able and willing to forgive sins. God is able and willing to give you eternal life. But these blessings only come through faith. So believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you struggle to do this, continue to get on your knees. When you go home today, get on your knees and pray to God that he would be pleased to give you this faith. In fact, let's pray right now that God grants us faith and grant us more faith. Our Lord God, we have made the same mistake as the 
disciples. I think every Christian in this room can confess that freely. Lord, we have gone out in our power and our strength, and we have been surprised when things do not happen as we expect them to happen. And yet, Lord, if we dig deep enough, we will soon discover that perhaps we have been relying upon our strength and have had very little faith. Lord, whatever situation we're in today, some here do not have faith, I'm sure, and others do. But it's not as great as they want. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us the gift of faith this morning. Give us faith and increase our faith. We believe, Lord, that help us overcome our unbelief. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen.